2019. 2019 was a pretty incredible year. 2019 brought us Baby Yoda, right? Can you imagine the world before Baby Yoda? I can. I mean, was there memes before Baby Yoda? If there were, they weren't as good. But not just in the world in general in 2019 was it a great year, but in our church, it was a great year in 2019. And when I think back over everything that God has done in Horizon in 2019, only one word comes to my mind, gratitude. He has done so much. He has been so generous and kind to us this year. In every category, we have grown and multiplied, and we owe all the praise and glory to Jesus Christ because of that. That's not because I'm a great visionary, or because I have clever ideas, or because uh, a great team has come around me and brought great stuff. All those things are good. I'm grateful for everything that everyone has contributed and done and given and everything that I've tried to lead us towards. But none of that matters if God is not in it. And everything that we have has been a result of his blessing and his goodness to us. And so I just want to take a minute, clap your hands, raise your hands, whatever you want to do, and just thank God quietly in your mind. Whatever you want to do, just say, God, thank you. Thank you for all you've done for Horizon this year. So quickly, I'm just going to go over some of the things we've seen in 2019. We had three baptisms this year. Remember, baptism is a public um, confession that says, I want to be a student of how Jesus lived and loved. That's the most we've ever had. Last year we had two. This year we had three. I don't know. Maybe we're going to have four next year. Or six. Or ten. You know, like... Uh, I love the fact that every year we've been here, we've seen more and more. Our first year up here, before we even started services, we saw one baptism, and then last year we saw two, now we saw three uh, this year, and so that's awesome. Uh, we have three mission teams come in, uh, a team from Tennessee and Georgia and South Carolina. These are churches who I either have a connection with or I have a friend at, and they said, hey, can we bring some of our young people to come and see what you're doing? So we can carry your vision for serving the community back to our church. Can they serve alongside you there in that area? And uh, these teams came and worked hard in big projects that brought not only attention to Jesus in the community, but attention to our church in the community. And it began to shift our community's perspective on what church is. Most people far away from God have a pretty negative view of church, and serving is a way that we bridge that. We begin to show them that's not your idea about church isn't what all churches are about. And many people, as we were out in the community, asked us, like, why are you doing this? Is this some kind of penance because you've done something wrong? And I'm like, no, we serve you because we serve Jesus and he loves you and wants to show his love to you through us. And they're like, oh, that's weird. I've never heard of that. But it allows us to have those conversations. We had eight message series this year, all those messages are up on our website if you want to go back and look at those. Um, I, I enjoyed studying many of those and wrestling through many of those. And then this year we raised $44,000. Last year, we um, $36,000 was given. And so we even more was given this year, $44,000 that you guys donated and gave to Horizon in order to fund the work that we do. Uh, just a quick breakdown, 2,000 of that we gave way to, to disaster relief, church planting, and foreign aid. 3,000 of that we gave to other local church plants because we believe that other churches are necessary, that we don't want everybody coming here, but we need different churches to reach different people. 
We give $400 to Compassion International. Um, many of that is because we give $10 for each first time visitor. And so that's awesome. We also spent thousands of dollars on local community projects, buying things like stone, buying things like uh, mulch, buying things for our Easter egg hunt, which cost about $5,000 for us to put on for the township and the business association, uh, which was just such a cool partnership to do that a second year. In 2019, we also moved to 10 a.m. And some of you are gonna say, like, weren't you always at 10 a.m.? We started out at 5 p.m., which is a really rough time to have a service, because there's this thing called football. And it happens a lot of times around 5 p.m. And um, it was not a great time to meet. Sometimes Darby and I would get into our day, and uh, we're like, oh man, it's Sunday. We gotta go to church in an hour. You know, 4 p.m. rolls around. And so moving to 10 a.m. was a switch that just uh, made a lot of sense. And on April 1st of 2019, we moved to 10 a.m. April 1st was also when we celebrated our one year anniversary as a church. So many church plants don't make it to one year. That was a huge moment, and uh, you saw some pictures in the slideshow about our one-year celebration. We brought in food, we had cake, it was awesome. And we're so excited to celebrate our two-year anniversary this April. We also worked in dozens of community projects in Haverford, Lower Marion, and Radnor Township, working with Eldernet, the Mainline Arts Center, Civic Association, Business Association, Rotary Clubs, the Ada Much Food Pantry, and other local nonprofits. Um, one lady in the community, she's a lady who doesn't attend church, she doesn't even believe there is a God, but she said, your church serves more in the community, the surrounding communities, than any of these bigger, larger churches who have been here for hundreds of years. And I thought, we're a pretty small church. We're a pretty new church. But we're having a bigger community impact. And I'm able to have conversations with her about who Jesus is as a result of us serving. But above all, above all else, I'm grateful for you. Many of you started coming in 2019. Many of you continued coming in 2019. And without you, there is no Horizon Community Church. You are Horizon Community Church. And so I feel incredible gratitude for all that we've seen God do. These are awesome things. This year we had a, a local church offer me a space to have an office for free. That's huge. You know, we celebrate these things. But more than any of that, I celebrate you. You stepping towards Jesus. You leaning in to know what it is means to live in love like him, you attending and belonging and building relationships with us and the community. We would not be able to do everything we have without your sacrificial service, your giving, and your passion to learn to live in love like Jesus together. That's what Horizon is. We're a community who is gathered together to figure out how we can teach each other to live and love like now, when I think about everything that Jesus has done and allowed us to do up to this point, it reminds me of where the disciples found themselves after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. He told them, he said, hey, wait seven days, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and then this church thing's going to get started. And he left them. And uh, all of a sudden, they had to figure out how this works and where they were headed and what was going to happen next. And so I want to pull our vision for Horizon in 2020 from Acts chapter 1. 2019 was incredible, and as we look ahead to 2020, let's look at Acts chapter 1 and see where the disciples found themselves. 
Remember, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are what we call the Gospels. They tell us the story of Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. The book of Acts continues the story after Jesus is resurrected and ascends to heaven, and the disciples say, how do we figure out what church looks like? What does church look like? And so that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, in those days, as, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews, that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, Would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now this proposal pleased the whole company, so they chose Stephen, a man of full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon, and um, not Pumbaa, but Timon, and Parmenas and Nicolaus. Thanks for that one chuckle. Um, a convert from Antioch. And they had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And so the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, one of the things I love about the Christian faith is that before Jesus left, he wasn't like, hey, you need to go around and build some buildings, make sure they have steeples. They don't have steeples, they're not churches. He didn't say, hey, before you go, make sure you always play three songs, then have a message, then have another song. Jesus gave no guidelines for what a church should look like before he left. He didn't give us any detailed instructions on how the community that would form and gather to learn from each other about how to live in love like him, what it should look like. He didn't give us any guidelines. He didn't say it needs to be precisely like this. Jesus was confident enough that he didn't have to exercise control over what the church would look like. The reason we have so many different churches in Christianity is that Jesus didn't define how a church should operate. And that's good because different churches reach different people. And so having different churches is a good thing. Nowhere does Jesus outline this liturgy about how a church service should look like. He just says, hey, you should become students of the way that I live and love. You should share with people and be this countercultural community that serves others instead of taking. But Jesus has given us incredible spiritual freedom to exercise how creativity, to exercise our creativity in what church looks like. Now that excites me. That excites me that there's this freedom um, in being creative in what church looks like. It excites me that there are ways of doing church that no one's thought of yet. There are ways of doing church that are going to reach people that aren't being reached yet. Now when I first started Horizon, there were some people who asked me, they said, hey, what model are you using? Like model? Are you talking about like, like a model kit? You know, I used to build plastic models when I was a kid. I was like... What does that mean? What model? They're like, you know, what big mega church are you modeling your programs and your ministries and your messages on? And I'm like, I'm not. Like, I'm just praying and then I'm trying to follow the Holy Spirit and where he leads. And if he tells me to do something, I'm trying to do it. They're like, no, no, you need a model. Like, you look at one of these big churches like Hillsong or, you know, you look at some of these giant churches around and like Life Church or something. And then you say, okay, I want to do things like they're doing it. And that was never what I wanted Horizon to be. I believe that copying kills creativity and the future of Horizon has to be original. 
I believe that God never sends the same wave twice. You guys just got back from the, the beach, from the, the shore, as they say up here. But um, There's something beautiful about waves. Because each one's a little bit different. Sometimes it rises a little bit farther, has a little bit more foam. And I think each wave that God sends is a unique masterpiece. And I think that's a true statement in how God wants to operate in our world. I think too often we're missing out on what God wants to do because we're trying to copy what God has already done. I'm not looking at what other people have done in the second year of their church plan as I look ahead for our second year of Horizon. I'm going to God and I'm saying, what do you want to do? Because I don't care if someone else has done it before and proven that it works. Because if you ask me to do it, I want to do it. And if you don't want me to do it, I don't want to do it. I'm looking for Jesus' direction on where we're going next. Now, some churches try to be something for everyone. But that's not what we've been at Horizon. At Horizon, we've been highly focused on being a church for unchurched people. A church for people who are far away from God, who can come in and explore what it means to be a Christian who can come in and see what Jesus is all about. A church that isn't going to be high on religion, but it's going to be high on relationships. And so we're going to continue to be those things. Those are very unique about us. They set us apart from many of the churches in the area. And so while it was very exciting that Jesus didn't define the structure of the church, the disciples had this freedom to develop and create what they wanted, it was also frustrating to the early Christians because they had to figure out things as they went. And sometimes, as I lead Horizon, it's felt a little bit like we're driving down a windy mountain road, but I'm trying to build and assemble the car as we drive, and I'm trying to pour gas in it. At the same time, I'm trying to put a steering wheel on, and I'm like, well, we haven't installed the brakes yet, so we'll just keep going, you know? And it feels a little bit like we're assembling this thing as we went, but that's exactly how the early church felt. And it's scary. But it's exciting. And anything that's worth doing is going to have some level of risk and adventure. And uh, Darby and I sometimes think about, like, what if we took an established church? Church has been around for a long time. There's been a couple times, honestly, since we started arriving, where people have offered me positions where they're like, we're going to pay you this amount. There's a lot more than I'm making. And they're like, we're going to give you this house to live in. And you have this audience to speak to. It's a lot more people than I have here. But I haven't done those things because, really, honestly, that's not boring to me. This is exciting. I love you guys. You guys are like family to me. And we're on this adventure together to build Horizon. And it's going to be this unique experience, this unique church, this unique expression of living and loving like Jesus. And so the disciples here were, early on, trying to do everything. And when you try to do everything, you end up not doing anything well. Have you ever found this in your life? Like You're like, I'm going to do it all. And then you realize everything gets kind of your half best. But if you focus in on some things, you can do those things really, really well. But the disciples here were wise enough to stop and ask for help. They were willing to relinquish control so they could have help. And so as we look to our 2020 vision, the first thing I want to say is, help me. I can't do it all on my own. If I do it all on my own, I'm going to do it all really poorly. But if I do some things really well, that means you can take the other things and do them really well. 
When a church plant is first starting out, the church planter has this unique vision from God, and he takes a whole bunch onto himself. But if I keep carrying it all, I'm going to burn myself out. I'm going to wear myself out. I need your help. Now, the disciples here, what's going on in this passage? Well, the early church was taking care of widows and orphans. They saw that as one of their missions and their ministries. And so if there was someone who didn't have a way to earn money, they were suffering, they were struggling, the church was feeding them and providing for them. But something interesting was happening because the church started with mostly Jewish people. There were a few Greek people in here, a few Gentiles, non-Jewish people. Um, the church was favoring the Jewish widows and orphans and was ignoring some of the Greek and Gentile widows and orphans. And the Greek and Gentiles said, aren't we part of the church too? Like, we serve Jesus. We're learning to live in love like Jesus too. Why aren't we getting the attention we deserve? And the disciples are like, I'm so sorry. We didn't need to drop the ball. But honestly, we have more on us than we can do. And so the disciples could have done two things. We're going to try harder to do more. But they didn't do that. They were wise. And they said, we're going to need some help. And so that's why they raised up people to help them. They said, we're going to keep doing what only we can do. And we're going to give away what we can now, this wasn't them saying, serving tables is beneath us. We're disciples. We're apostles. I will not do that. I'm too high and mighty. That's not what's going on here. What they were saying was, this is so important. We don't want this to get forgotten. We need somebody to make this their priority so that we can make this our priority. And so they were, they were um, raising up people to help them because they remembered what Jesus told them. Jesus said, the greatest among you is not the person up front or the person with power. The greatest person in the kingdom of God is the person who serves the most. The more you serve each other, the greater your influence. And leadership at its best is influence. The more you serve, the greater your influence. And so you can hold impressive degrees or you can hold important titles, but it's the heart of serving each other that inspires people to follow you. The greatest person in the church is not the person who has the most control or power, but is the person who serves most willingly and selflessly. Now, I was talking to Steve a couple weeks ago, and he was joking to me. And I was talking to him about some of the future, what I see in the church, and um, he was joking with me, and he said, you know, Alex, it's your church. You can do whatever you want. And I know what he was saying, right? He's like, you started the church. No one can stop you if you want to run in the direction. Um, in context, I understand what he's thinking. But I think it's easy sometimes to think of Horizon as Alex and Darby's church. We have to start thinking of it as our church. It's not Alex and Darby's church. If someday Alex and Darby went away, Horizon needs to survive and thrive. It needs to be our church. Like the disciples, I cannot do everything. Now, uh, for the last couple of years we've been up here, the SEND Network has been providing a partial salary to me, and that ends this year. And so, as many of you know, I've started a part-time job to pick up that uh, financial piece of my salary so that I can continue to live here, and I can continue to have a place to live with Darby and pay for gas and food. But that means that I have less hours to do everything I want to do. That means I have less hours to make Horizon successful, to make Horizon multiply, to build relationships with people far away from God, to, to teach people to live and love like Jesus, and to serve 
the community. I've been convinced in life that the only things that we can do by ourselves are either things that are very small or very simple or very safe. If you're going to do something big, if you're going to do something risky, if you're going to do something meaningful, it requires other whether that's in the spiritual world or in the business world, anything that really matters is going to require someone beyond you. We live in an individualistic society that wants to be independent. You know, my first thing when I need to ask a question, I go to Google so I don't have to ask someone for help. I mean, that's just what I do. Like, I don't ask for directions. I'll type it into Google and I'll see what Google says. I don't ask somebody in the community what they thought of a restaurant. I go to Google. That way it can be just me making my decisions without anyone else's input or influence and I can maintain complete control. I can't maintain control in Horizon and see it thrive and survive. I have to let some things go and invite you guys to pick some of those things up to help me. Help me, loyal friends of Horizon. You're my only hope. That's my second Star Wars reference in one, uh, one What's there? Humanity is at its best in community. Horizon is at its best when we're all working together, when we're bringing our unique talents and passions to the table so that we can go farther than we ever could if we're just like, man, Alex is going to do it all. And I love to do it all. Like, I love to be, like, up front leading the charge, and I'm going to continue to do that. I want to serve more, and I want to serve more sacrificially, and I want to give more and sacrifice more than anyone. I want to lead in serving others, but I need you to come with me. So first of all, help me is our vision for 2020, but also our second vision is multiply. He says here that the disciples were beginning to grow, and at the end of um, verse 7, or in verse 8, which we didn't receive, he said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very end of the earth. Essentially, what Jesus had promised them was, as you grow, you're going to multiply. You're going to spread. You're going to go far and wide. Healthy things multiply. If you have a plant, it produces seeds which grows more plants. Healthy things multiply. They bear new seeds and they spread farther and farther. And healthy churches start new churches. Churches are either starting new churches or they're dying. I want to be about starting new churches. We need more churches in the Philadelphia area that focus on relationships and not religion. And it's always been my vision since the very beginning. Some of you were there for the very beginning. And uh, since the very beginning, I've been saying this. I want to see Horizon start new churches throughout the Philly region. And so you say, Alex, okay, so your second vision word for 2020 is multiply. What are we going to multiply? Because you're like, Alex, some Sundays we're a little sparse in here. And Justin's like, I count the money. Some Sundays it's a little sparse in here. Like, you're talking about multiplying. Are you pushing us too far, too fast? When are we going to multiply? Sooner rather than later. I was talking to a, um, a pastor of a local church in our area who uh, he started his church 12 years ago. And so I was sitting down having coffee with him, and I said, when are you going to multiply? He was telling me how they were doing well, and they were financially stable, and, you know, really excited. I said, when are you going to start a new church? He says, when we run about 400 people, I'll start a new church. After 12 years, they run less than 100 people. And so I'm like, I don't know when that's going to happen. 
Like, if you set a goal line so far out here, you're essentially saying we're never going to multiply. I would rather multiply sooner rather than later. I want to multiply small. Because I think small churches reach different people than big churches do. And I think that if we're going to remain relational, we need to multiply small. If we're going to have a highly relational church and we're going to start a new highly relational church, we need to multiply small. Some of you sitting here may be the leader of the next relational church that arises from Or you may be part of the defining team that sets that church I'm praying over places in the area and asking God where do you want Horizon to start a new, highly relational church in order to reach people far away from God. I'm praying over places like Kachahaki. I think that would be an awesome place to see a new church that's an area full of young people. And um, so you say, Alex, when's that going to happen? Most churches either multiply before they reach their four-year mark or they never multiply at all. It goes down to something like only 2% of churches after their four-year mark, they haven't started another church, ever started another church. But churches that have started another church before their four-year mark tend to start more and more and more because it's part of their core DNA. So before the four-year mark, I'd like to see another year of church started out of us. This year, I want to pray and pursue and seek and do everything we can to build relationships and to lay groundwork to start a new church. So the next word I want to talk about is preaching. They say what we want to focus in on is preaching the word and prayer. And as I really started studying this, I started looking at what the disciples meant when they said to focus on preaching. And the more I studied the word, the more I realized that in the first century, the word preaching means something very different than it does to us today. Like, when you hear preaching, you're like, Alex is going to stand up, he's going to talk for 30 minutes, I'm going to sit quietly, I might be on my phone a little bit, checking some scores, you know, uh, checking Twitter, I do that too. I might be taking some notes, I might not, I might be zoning out, I might be coming back in. But in the first century, preaching usually meant a dialogue and not just a monologue. It's a very Western idea to stand up and listen to someone present an idea for 30 minutes rather than have a dialogue. And most of the time, we've followed a pretty normal American Western structure. And I say, you know what? Why don't we try something different? In 2020, I want to mix things up. I want to have some Sundays where we do things differently, where it's more interactive and there's more involvement and it's less of a monologue and more of a dialogue. And so our words so far help me multiply preaching. And then devoted to prayer. Notice that they said what we want to do is we want to have the time so that we can devote ourselves to prayer. <coughs> the disciples, um, when saw that prayer was necessary for every aspect of what they did. And when we first started Horizon, prayer was an important part of everything we did. We prayed to God desperately to do something. And there were some Sundays where nobody showed up, and we prayed desperately for somebody to show up next week. And as more and more people show up, and we have less and less Sundays where nobody is here, what I've found is I've got less and less passionate about prayer. And prayer has become something that um, I do sporadically instead of doing passionately. As Horizon grows, we need more prayer, not less prayer. I need your prayers as I'm a husband and as I'm a pastor. In 2020, I want to encourage us to take time to prayer both personally and corporately. 
And in 2020, I'm going to be calling for the church to pray. I'm going to say, like, during this week, we're going to pray about this, and we're going to have special prayer services, and we're going to have more times of prayer in our services, because we can't take for granted that the only thing that keeps a church plant alive every day is a miracle. Every day that a church plant lives and doesn't close or shut its doors or stop is a miracle. And that requires us being in contact with the miraculous God. We must learn to practice the presence of God in our everyday lives. I believe that nothing lasting and nothing meaningful has happened at Horizon except when it's preceded by passionate prayer to a loving and generous God. God says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. We must return to our root nature of prayer. And that's not a criticism to you. That's a criticism to me because I'm the one who moved away from that. And I haven't led us to pray as much as I did before we started. And so I'm sorry that I'm going to, in 2020, call us back to our knees, back to prayer, and saying, God, I need you to do what we cannot. And finally, you notice here um, that in chapter 6, verse 7, it says, or uh, in verse 5, sorry, they gathered these men who were going to help lead and to help take care of these situations so that they could focus on what they could do and they could give these other things away. And so our final word for the vision of 2020 is elder. Um, so for the first time ever, Horizon is going to have its first elected elder. They said, what's an elder? It's just a biblical term for someone who's been raised up inside the church and is going to be a key leader who's going to stand beside leadership and help them lead and guide the direction of the church. And so I think the time for our church to call our first elder has come, and they're going to help me lead and guide the church. They're going to be, essentially, an elder is the chief servant of the church. They say, we're going to set the standard for what it looks like to love and serve the church. And so it's with great pleasure that I announced that I asked Justin Spadafor to be our first elder at Horizon. And after much bribery and convincing, he said yes. No, he willingly said yes. Um, so what, what does that mean? In January, we're going to have the entire month where you can ask questions about Justin. You can ask him questions. You can ask me questions about him. If you have concerns about Justin being an elder in our church, you can bring those to me in January. You're like, hey, man, I saw Justin do some things. He did a murder the other week, you know, or something. I'm like, I need to know that. So bring that to me. Let me know. Um, and then the so last week in January, the last Sunday in January, we'll vote on him becoming an elder of the church. I think that churches are healthier when you have a group of leaders and you don't just have one leader. Because guess what? Sometimes I make bad decisions. When I was first praying about starting a church, I was living down in Tennessee with Darby. I was like, I want to call the church Raven's Nest Community Church. I said, that's the dumbest name I've ever heard in my life. And it is. But I was convinced that was the name I was going to use. She's like, you need to keep praying. And uh, I'm grateful for that, for that wisdom. So throughout January, we'll talk about what an elder does, what the requirements for an elder are according to the Bible. And then the last Sunday in January, we'll vote on Justin taking that role. I've had 
um, some fellow pastors who have come alongside me as Horizon has got started and have worked as my advisory board. So I'm not just sitting in a bubble, like just hearing my own thoughts. And many of you have stepped up and come around me and I've walked things past you and I've said, hey, this is where I'm thinking about going. What do you think about this? What do you think about this direction? Um, but this is a great moment in our church's history when we nominate this first elder. And so come by, ask Justin questions, celebrate with him. And um, Justin, I thank you so much for your willingness to step up and say, I want to lead the church in serving others. The future leaders of Horizon aren't out there. We don't need to go and steal them from some other church. Like, man, they got great leaders. We should steal them and bring them in here. The future women and men who will lead this church are right here. They're you guys. You're the future and so I want to do everything I can to equip you and prepare you to help us as we grow to continue to propagate the vision of relationships, not religion, and to learn how to live in love like Jesus so you can teach others to live in love like Jesus. As I look to the future of Horizon, I feel incredible hope. We're positioned perfectly in this community and in our society to make the, um, to grow and to make an impact on this city and on this community and on this world. Are there challenges ahead? Yes. Can I see some of them? Yes. There's a lot more I can't see. But when I look ahead, I see a God who has been faithful to bring us here and will bring us through the challenges ahead. And some of the best lessons I have ever learned about living and loving like Jesus have not happened in the brightest moments, but in the darkest moments. And so when I look ahead to the challenges that Horizon still has to face, you know, we raised about $44,000 last year. That's incredible. But at the same time, you need to be in the $75,000 to $100,000 range um, that you're bringing in annually to be a sustainable church. So we still have a lot of growth to go. But I don't look and think, man, it's so, so hard and the finish line is so far. I look at how far we've come. And I know that the same faithful God who brought us from way over there to here will bring us way over there in the days to come. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done at Horizon. This is your church. This isn't my church. This is our church. This isn't my church. Lord Jesus, we have done nothing without you. All we've done without you is fail and flounder. The only things that we've seen happen has been a result of your miraculous, generous hand at work in our lives, and in our community, and in our world. And so God, we want to take a moment and thank you for 2019 at Horizon. Thank you, God. So far, so God. This has been your work and your church, and I'm honored that you've let me be a part of it, that you've allowed me to be here from the beginning, and God, I pray that you will keep me here for many, many years to come. That you will allow me to see this church flourish and grow and multiply. God, we don't long to get big. We long to spread wide the good news of Jesus Christ all throughout the region of Philadelphia and to build relationships with people far away from God. God, will you continue to give us favor with people who are searching and seeking? God, will you continue to give us favor with local churches who allow us to use their space and their resources. God, will you continue to grow our numbers and raise up new leaders who will lead to give sacrificially and to serve generously and to teach others to live in love like you. Jesus, we pray above all that your spirit and your presence will be with us. 
we don't want to just have religious services. We want to have a relationship with you and a relationship with others. Jesus, come and do what only you can do. We will be faithful and we will be obedient, but without you showing up, nothing will happen that matters. Lord Jesus, we pray all these things, looking forward with anticipation to the future and the work that you've already begun to do all around us and inside us and the pieces that you begin to move into position to bless in amazing ways in 2020. In your name I pray. Amen.